and we have people virtue signaling in the suburbs with BLM signs while, you know, three kids under 10 have been shot just sitting on the front porch so far this summer. And we are on pace to outpace Murderapolis of 1995, the ground zero for the fight against critical race theory um, and a mandatory masking in schools is uh, an area around Rosemount, Minnesota, maybe 30 minutes south of St. Paul, and just hundreds of patriots out last night supporting new school board members running to retake their schools from the radical left. We never created an Afghan military that could stand up and fight the Taliban, and uh, Joe Biden's calling them all cowards. What, 50,000 Afghani uh, citizens died serving in their military, and you're going to call them cowards? Everyday Americans around this country are waking up. They are running for school board. They're running for public office for the first time in their career. They never thought they would do this. This is not something that I ever envisioned doing. But I'm mad, and I have three kids to defend. I have a country that my parents came to that they barely recognize, and I have a state that I do not want to move out of. And if we don't want to see America go down the tubes and our state go down the tubes, you need to get out there and fight. If you can run. Before we get into the show, I want to share with you the Z-Stack, a powerful immunity-building vitamin pack formulated by Dr. Zelenko, the founder of the Zelenko Protocol. Many of you may have seen my interview with Dr. Zelenko explaining how the combination of quercetin and vitamin C together is a powerful zinc ionophore gun which delivers zinc, the bullet, into the cell where the virus is. Zinc blocks the virus from getting into the cell. Corsetin and vitamin C together are a safe over-the-counter alternative to hydroxychloroquine. Access to this is needed when government restricts and bans effective treatments. Also, it has been established that high normal levels of vitamin D is important for warding off sickness and staying out of the hospital. With the dangers of the COVID shot, we need a strong immune system to keep from getting sick. The danger is getting sick. That's when the effects of the bioweapon shot takes over. The Z-Stack will provide you with a defensive weapon to fight a potential virus. You can see the studies and also buy yours today at the link below or at sarahwestall.com under shop. I also highly recommend C60 gel caps, daily zeolite detox, and my probiotic greens to maintain a healthy body, all of which you can get at my shop at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have governor candidate for Minnesota, Neil Shaw, coming to the program. And he's a breath of fresh air. He's not a career politician. He's a doctor from Minnesota. He has his own practice. And he's just tired of the, the mandates and the tyranny that we're seeing everywhere. And, you know, in Minnesota, we have rampant crime. And it's just, it's a total, it's like a lot of other big cities. And we have this far left agenda that's controlling and just destroying our cities, especially Minneapolis. It's just a, it's a hellhole right now. And we're gonna talk about all that. We're gonna talk about Afghanistan, the complete failure going on in Afghanistan and what the heck is going on there. He is stepping up. He's somebody who loves freedom. He loves this country and he wants, he just wants it to be better for his children. And we're talk we talked about how we need a lot of people like that stepping up at the school board levels, at every level, getting on your school, your city council, getting on your school boards, getting, you know, running for Congress, running for your state Congress. We need people in the fight. And 
And I, you know, I mentioned to him, it's like, well, you're going to get beat up. You're going in the shark tank. But I think getting beat up, I mean, trust me, I've been beat up for years, but getting beat up is worth the price here because the alternative is a lot worse. And so it's time for anybody who has the talent and time to step up and do what he's doing. But he's just phenomenal. I'd like to see people like him all over the country running. And so hopefully you'll get an opportunity to listen to this interview and then go and learn about him. Donate for his campaign, sign up for, uh, to volunteer for his campaign and really help get the word out. These are the kind of candidates we need all over the country. So anyways, let's get into this fantastic conversation that I have with Dr. Neil Shaw. Hi, Neil, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me on today. I love your background. Save, hashtag save Minnesota. And could that be any more accurate to what we have that we're dealing with right now? But it could actually be expanded, save the United States, right? What do you see? I mean, we have this Afghanistan disaster. We have, you know, the election disaster. We have the COVID disaster and businesses being put out of it. And then in Minnesota, we have the violence disaster, which is the case in many large cities. I mean, I could go on and on with our issues, right? Yep. Uh, deficit there's, and, uh, you know, our debt. A lot, and of, our, yeah. a lot of disasters. We can pick one and start. They're all caused well, by the uh, career politicians, and yeah. uh, we're trying to fix them here. Yeah, and so I'm giving you a laundry list. So what I want to ask you is, what do you believe are your three top priorities? And, um, and maybe there's, you know, I suppose you can squeeze another one in there if you need to. And, and then I want to talk about why. Yeah. So I'd say number one right now, the most immediate need we have here in Minnesota is to end mandates. Um, the mandates are whether they are um, school masking mandates or whether they are, you know, vaccine or shot mandates uh, for people to simply keep their jobs. We can't have government mandating um, what you need to do. And we need to restore freedom and liberty and the ability for individuals to choose what is best in their particular situation. So that's the most acute need that we have now. Um, after that, I mean, there's a laundry list in Minnesota, but crime is absolutely out of control. It's hitting our most vulnerable neighborhoods the hardest. And we have people virtue signaling in the suburbs with BLM signs while, you know, three kids under 10 have been shot just sitting on the front porch so far this summer. And we are on pace to outpace Murderapolis of 1995. And there's a to abolish the Minneapolis Police Department. That so we need uh, crime uh, needs to be controlled in this city. We need law and order. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's so unbelievable that even uh, you know, radical leftist Governor Tim Walz is trying to distance himself from this. And Angie Craig, who's a vulnerable Democrat in uh, Congressional District 2, running against Tyler Kistner, is also um, trying to get away from it. But there's no escape in the radical left. And the, the, any era of moderate Democrats is kind of sadly over. And they're going to be overrun by their left and the people uh, in Minneapolis are going to pay the highest price for it. And then finally, we have uh, the schools. And there's a lot to talk about with the schools. I was at a huge school uh, board event last night, tons of patriots out there, ground zero for the fight against critical race theory um, and mandatory masking in schools is uh, an area around Rosemount, Minnesota, maybe 30 minutes south of St. Paul and just hundreds of patriots out last supporting new school board members running to retake their schools from the radical left. Well, that is so great. And what would you specifically do? Because, yeah, the suburbs seem to be a little bit more attainable. But when you start looking at Minneapolis, 
it's a it's a disaster zone and I think businesses are fleeing. I mean, no, who wants to be in Minneapolis? It's really hard. I mean, I've lived all over the Twin Cities. I've lived in uh, downtown Minneapolis. I've lived in Prospect Park during school. I've lived in uh, St. Paul, the Cathedral Hill area. And we used to go down all the time to Twins games in the summer and T-Wolves games in the winter and go to restaurants. And downtown is a desert. It's really sad to see. People invested their lives building businesses in those areas, and they've been shut down, and no one's going back. It's tragic. And um, I still get my hair cut at a uh, barbershop in the city. And when I talk to the folks there, they're very frustrated. They finally are understanding that uh, 50 years of Democrat rule has left them with nothing but ruin, no economic prosperity, and their children dying uh, on their porches if they're not being mistreated in failing schools. So there's a frustration. It's going to be a, a long-term effort to bring those voters along, but we have to start now. Well, do you think it's a coordinated effort across the country? Because we got San Francisco, we got Portland, we have, um, you know, others, New York, we got other cities across the country that are implementing these same agendas and they're doing it in lockstep. Yeah, it, it certainly seems odd. I try not to uh, ascribe a, a conspiracy theory where it's just simple incompetence will do. I think there's a tendency on the left to simply double down on failed policies. You'll hear this of, uh, oh, we've never tried socialism. No, we, we tried socialism. We tried communism. Uh, they're giant failures. That was the that was the study of the 20th century. So they just keep doubling down on failed policies that have uh, that have impoverished black families that have ruined economic prosperity in those towns and cities. And they just keep doubling down and doubling down as opposed to saying, well, maybe our policies are fundamentally flawed. Maybe what people want is freedom and opportunity and the ability to uh, keep what they earn. Um, and maybe it's time for a change. And I think you saw that, you know, with Trump's polling numbers in black and Hispanic communities, especially in the urban core, were higher than anyone before him. People are ready for a change. We need to give them candidates that can believe them and a message that gets across conservative values and how it can improve the, their lives. Well, and so I, I take your point um, to heart. I think at a certain point, you got to not look at the big picture, like what's causing it and just do actions that solve our problems and freedoms and getting rid of mandates. But at a certain point, you also got to look and say, how do I protect myself from agendas that might be coming down and being implemented on this? Because the federal government often will be giving incentives to the local governments that, that people are so hungry for money that they'll make decisions that will be against what is best for the people because of the federal government um, handouts. And yeah, so, they understand the power of yeah, the first string, and they yeah. use that to manipulate localities, absolutely. And, and so how will you make sure that you are able to withstand the power of the federal government? Because there's a lot of green agendas, right? The whole global warming thing, and they're calling it green. They always put it around, wrap it around this beautiful picture of how we're saving humanity. But in the end, but in reality, you know, the Democrats always, every politician seems to do this, but they have other agendas. They basically say, I'm going to figure out the best marketing message, but this is our agenda. I don't care if it matches or not. And so you got to make sure that you're not being manipulated. How do you do that? How do you make sure that we're not, you know, trying to go to carbon zero and hosing over our large manufacturing companies or any companies here that are trying to produce things? Yeah, I think it's important that uh, people understand the motivations of the career political class. They're not there to do what's best for the long-term interests of the country. There are very few reputable politicians on either side of the aisle, sadly. 
and um, they are simply concerned about staying in power. And that's what they will do. They will just to win the next election cycle uh, because they view politics as a career instead of public service. They will do whatever it takes to just pander and not actually look 25, 50 or 100 years down the road and say, how do we defend freedom and liberty? How do we make put America on a footing to continue to be the greatest country in the history of the world? Um, instead of just uh, how do I win the next election cycle? And I see that on, on the left and the right. And there's more people waking up to that frustration. Um, you know, I'm running as a Republican candidate, but I am a conservative candidate. And um, the two are not necessarily synonymous. Uh, I believe in conservative values. Uh, I believe in liberty and freedom in this country. And I believe in a small and limited government. And I think more people are waking up to the fact that the government cannot do anything uh, with any degree of competence and that we have to rely on each other. And we have to push as many decisions down to the local level as possible. The tying up of federal money allows them to manipulate states. I'm a big believer in states' rights. And um, we need to find funding streams that uh, allow us to have autonomy from the federal government so we can decide what's best for, for Minnesotans. Exactly, because they will do whatever they can to manipulate for, manipulate you for their agenda. Now, let's talk about conservative values for a second, because what you're describing as conservative values have always been American values to a great extent. And what the media has successfully done is is confuse conservative values and claim that if you're conservative, you're racist, you're bigoted. But that has nothing to do with, and can you explain how there is a major disconnect on freedoms and, and having freedom of choice and just not having a tyrannical situation oppress you, how that is a, um, that is what it means to be, have American, traditional American values versus this yeah. whole bigoted, racist, sexist thing that they've thrown on us. Yeah, well, you know, a conservative wants to conserve, and I want to conserve the values that made America great, that uh, brought my parents here 50 years ago. There were times where America did not have equality of opportunity, certainly the Jim Crow era and slavery. There were painful times in our past, but after the heroes of the civil rights era got those equality of opportunity laws passed, now it became a country that could finally live up to the billing of the founding fathers, of our founding documents, a country where there is equality for all. Uh, a number of people that I talk to don't even understand that basic distinction between the words equality and equity. Um, equality is good and equity is bad. E equity is Soviet Russia and equality is America. And the difference couldn't be that stark. You know, equity is everyone ending at the same place regardless of uh, effort or talent. Um, you don't want an NFL where everyone looks like me, okay? It wouldn't be very exciting to watch, but that's equity. And so it, what America needs to ensure is that people have the opportunity to succeed based on their talent and their effort, and that we provide and defend those freedoms and those opportunities. And that's what I want to try to conserve. And you're right. I mean, freedom should not be a partisan issue. At some of these health freedom rallies that I go to, people are left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. They just want the right to decide what goes into their body. They don't want the government mandating something. Hey, if you want to wear a mask, wear one. If you don't want to wear one, don't wear one. Okay, it's a free country, and we've always respected freedom and liberty. But when you give tyrants a little bit of power, they want all of it, and they don't want to give it up. And we're going to have to fight to, to restore our freedoms. Well, when you talk about health mandates, you know, whether you're talking about the mask or you're talking about the vaccine, which is even way worse than the mask, it, when I've looked at real polls, not polls that the mass media puts out there, but real data, 
it shows that it's all across the board. In fact, the minority, especially the black communities, want it less than, I mean, the, the, the white communities the de is, is more on board than the black communities. So it kind of messes up their message. It does. And if you want to talk about the new Jim Crow, that's what vaccine passports would be. When you have 70% of the black population unvaccinated with very real questions, unfortunately, the, uh, the terrible uh, history of the Tuskegee experiments is still alive and well in many of their minds. And so they have questions. And instead of providing answers or answering those questions or allowing people to make decisions for themselves, the government wants to cram down a passport that's going to take 70% of black America and tell them that they can't work in certain places, that they can't go to a football game or a concert, or their kids can't attend school. I mean, this is, uh, the left does not want to talk about this. A few people, um, you know, like the, the mayor of Boston, who's a black Democrat, said, we can't do this. This is the new Jim Crow. But, you know, sadly, too few people in the mainstream media are talking about that degree of hesitancy in communities of color. And we have the opportunity to reach out as conservatives and say, look, we defend your freedom. Uh, you have a freedom to choose if you want to do this or not do this, and your choice should not impact your ability to uh, participate in civil society. Absolutely. I mean, that's just crazy. And also, what is lost in the rhetoric is that the Republican Party was the, re was the party of freedom. We are yeah. the ones that were fighting for ending slavery and for uh, women's rights. And mm -hmm. for, I remember when I was a college kid and I went to the Susan B. Anthony Museum and I'm like, I had no idea. This was back, you know, I was an idiot. I had no idea that it was the Republican Party that really pushed that. I thought it was a Democrat party because that's the way it seems in their rhetoric. That's the narrative. That's, that's the narrative. narrative. I mean, it's the, not true. Some of the that's right. The first black uh, legislators were Republicans. More Republicans voted for the Civil Rights Act than Democrats. I mean, we are the party of freedom and opportunity. In any, in any group of people, you're going to have some people that are unrepentant racist. But still, generally speaking, the Republican Party is about freedom and opportunity, regardless of color or creed. I heard uh, Governor uh, of South Dakota, um, Christino, she was talking on a radio show, and she was saying that she doesn't want to mandate freedom. And she said, all I would be doing is doing the same game that they're doing. And because somebody was pushing back on her and saying, you need to mandate that they can't put masks on, they can't do this stuff. And she said, I would rather take it from the other direction and sue when they take away our freedoms. And so her concept is I can't use their same tactics of taking away our freedoms to give us freedoms when the Constitution already allows us this. What is your view on it when we're dealing with these blatantly abusive practices? Do you go and try to do some mandate the other direction or do you take a, a stark stance like she is and saying, well, no, I mean, if they can't do it, I can't do it, even if it's for the same for a better purpose in her mind. Yeah, I can explain. I mean, some of that, there is a schism on the right between kind of like, you know, my business, my business choice. Um, I, I think that the current economic environment, the size and scope of corporations and their integration into American life um, is much different than the framers encountered, yes. uh, which was much smaller corporations. So, yeah, if uh, you know, this company, company A down the street doesn't want to do something, you have company B one block away. 
But if you are a nurse and the only employer in a large rural area is a single hospital and they're going to mandate vaccines for you to keep your job, never mind that you're recovered and have better protection against COVID because of that fact, then really do you have any equality of opportunity at this point? Uh, should we demand that people move across the state, across the country, uh, simply to be free? And this is something that the right is going to have to to wrestle with. Uh, I come down on the side that the larger the corporation is, the more it has the bully pulpit and the ability to act uh, in a quasi-governmental fashion. They're a monopoly. And therefore, a monopoly. And therefore, it's very reasonable to consider restrictions on the ability of that corporation to impede the freedoms of individuals. Corporations are not individuals. Individuals are born. They, they are given in, inalienable rights by, their, by God. And then eventually individuals die. Corporations are amoral and they are immortal. And so you cannot ride roughshod over the distinction between individuals and corporations and automatically ascribe all God-given rights that were given to individuals to corporations. But I think that is a distinction that some people very readily make. There's, there's no difference between a company and an individual, and I, and I disagree with that. Well, and the Supreme Court made that decision, right, under Obama. Yeah, I mean, the Supreme Court has in my estimation, has kind of been a little bit uh, split on this. They've said, you know, corporations can have this kind of freedom of speech with their political dollars, and then at the same time, corporations have some limitations. I think we need to get back to re restoring and defending individual rights and worry more about the individual's ability to succeed and have their God-given rights protected. Well, and if you have multiple healthcare systems that are colluding, which is illegal, but if they're colluding, because, mm -hmm. you know, they talk and then they say, okay, with the big pharma and say they call it best practice <laughs> they call it best practice exactly right? and, and so yeah. we have these issues i want to this is really a core crux issue too is the smith munt act which was passed under obama which allowed it was always illegal in our country at least since like the 30s i don't, I don't remember when it was first put into place but they revoked that in under Obama that allows the corporate or the, the central or the federal government to do propaganda against the people. They don't have to be truthful. They yeah. actually passed that. And I'm, I think so many of our problems, you know, source from that. What is your opinion on the Smith Mutt Act? And can we protect Minnesotans? from that and say, well, wait a minute, if you want to do that in other states, that's fine. But Minnesota, you better flip and tell the truth. Well, yeah, most people don't even know what this month uh, kind of amendment was. And it was stuck into a big defense authorization bill, which, again, is like uh, one of those things you just can't veto. Right. So you stick this thing in there and it allows um, portions of government that should never be talking to American citizens, propaganda arms of the American government, like the VOA, for example, to start to talk to American citizens. And that is extraordinarily concerning. Uh, there has to be a hard line between the portions of our government that deal with foreign entities and the ability for those to conduct uh, psychological campaigns on American citizens themselves. Uh, but it's, uh, that's, a, that's an esoteric one. And, I, and in fact, I didn't even know about that until a few months ago. And I emailed that to a bunch of folks that are kind of in the liberty wing of the GOP. And they're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know about it. this thing's terrifying. So, yeah, I mean, if you have any of your thoughts on that, your, leader, your readers or listeners may not completely understand that. And it's, it's a huge Trojan horse. Well, yeah, and I was covering it like five years ago or many years ago when it first started coming out. And 
and now I'm seeing it all being implemented. And I think that's a that's why they're allowed to not tell the truth um, and not give us the facts, the true facts on, you know, COVID, for example. Because if there's uh, huge money incentives behind Big Pharma or somebody else, they may implement something. And I do think that could be what's behind this. But it's important either way. I, I, is there a way that a governor can say, you know, you cannot, because I think there's states' rights here, you cannot put something on our networks, our tele, you know, whatever you access. When you talk to people from Minnesota, you can't lie to them and do propaganda. It would be, a, it certainly would be a fascinating fight. It would require the AG, it would require the governor's office, and ideally you'd have multiple states uh, excited about, about taking that fight to the federal government. But I absolutely believe in states' rights, and I believe that the federal government should uh, do as little as possible when it comes to uh, dealing with the states. Well, and don't just don't mess with us. Let us have our. I, I just it's it's unethical, right, for them to do that, and so we have we have a serious issue. Yeah, and my my thing is we need to turn this around because I think that could be the downfall of this country. Imagine a uh, foreign entity like China getting a serious influence on those propaganda arms and then using it against us. Yeah, I mean, propaganda and misinformation are, are, are just a massive, a massive concern, and we can't have a government uh, telling us what to think and controlling how we speak. I mean, I'm a huge believer that the uh, social media companies need to be treated as common carriers, that they should not have the ability to restrict speech. Look, there's going to be speech I don't like, but the answer to speech I don't yes. like is more speech. That's and exactly that's a right. uh, cl classical liberal principle that, um, you know, the ACLU used to stand for, right? The ACLU used to defend the most heinous folks, the Nazis marching through Skokie. And nowadays they've just become another woke entity that uh, won't stand up and defend free speech. And that's concerning. Um, David Goldberger, the lawyer who was a Jewish person who represented the Nazis marching through Skokie, was my dad's friend in high school and college roommate. And so I got to learn all about that directly from him. And he, wow. he believed in it. And he, he, his whole family, because they're Jewish, were against him. You know? But he's like, this is a right we need to protect. Because the worst of us, we need to protect because then you're going to have what we have today. <laughs> right? right. right. <laughs> and, but now the ACLU has abandoned that position. Yeah, and it's tragic to see, right? Who is going to defend the Constitution, freedom of speech, the speech of others with whom you vehemently disagree? Um, there's this authoritarian bent to the modern left uh, that has strayed so far from their classical liberal roots um, that they think they can be the arbiters of speech. I mean, I can tell you hate speech in 1916 would have been that uh, women have an equal right to vote. That would have been hate speech back then. Yes. Or the uh, or the blacks and whites are equal uh, under the law or created equally by their creator. Um, this all all this unpopular speech would have been hate speech. Or indecent it, women not showing their ankles right. was right. indecent. So yeah, I, I think that uh, when it's one of the bedrock core principles of this country and. Uh, you know, I hope the pendulum swings back and you see more of the classical liberals pushing back to defend it. But I'm very concerned about what I see happening in our schools and our universities where there is this group think, there is this cram down of ideas, there is a squelching of dissent 
of intelligent discourse between people who disagree. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, a story I, I told at the school board rally last night was my high school AP English, English teacher um, was a hippie child from the 60s, okay? She had mud from the Love Canal in her classroom. You know, we read Zinn's People's History as a, as a, as a source book. I obviously did not agree with her very often, but in that era, I could still get an A because I had well-founded arguments, even though we fought like cats and dogs and completely disagreed. She made me a better learner, and I think I challenged her. That's what's happened in the last 30 years in America, is that the left is no longer willing to engage in honest intellectual conversations with people on the right. We always kind of joke that conservatives have liberal friends, but liberals don't want to have any conservative friends. And that's really sad. Uh, America's going to, not everyone's going to agree with what I think in America, but we need to get back to a point of loving this country, even if we don't always like it. And we need to work together to make this country better. If people enter the conversation thinking that America should be torn down and replaced, replaced by what? There is no freedom anywhere else in the world. Look at the lockdowns in Australia. Look at the lockdowns in Europe, vaccine passports, we truly are the last free people in the entire world. In Canada, you can't even go to church. I know. It's so we cannot lose this ground. We have to defend America. Well, what would you say to classical liberals? Because I would think that 75% of the Democrats really are classical liberals, and they are left without anywhere to go. Why, would the, why should that group support you and how would you be able to represent them i mean they should should i mean I, i'm looking at this and going they really need to leave what they're supporting because it's farther away from what they believe than you are but yeah. give them a spiel on why they should support you well it comes down in my mind to whether you can agree to disagree with somebody and believe that he or she will do a great job or the best of their ability in a certain environment uh, politicians are fond of making promises that they can't possibly keep. I'm not going to make any promise other than to uphold the Constitution and do the best work that I can to defend freedom and liberty in Minnesota and to bring forward candidates in our state and at the federal level that will do the same thing. We have to rally around the flag, the Constitution, and our country. We have to get back to loving America and loving our neighbors, even if we don't always agree with them. So my message to the classical liberals who feel disaffected by what the radical left is doing to their party is to understand that you can vote across party lines. To some degree, these artificial distinctions are not very helpful for us. Choose someone that you think is an honest broker that views public office as public service, not as a career. I have a great career. I have a great family. I enjoy my privacy. But if some people like me don't step up, the career politicians are going to continue to destroy this state and this country that people have worked so hard over centuries to build. We are not a perfect country, but we are the greatest experiment in liberal Western democracy in the history of the world, and that is worth fighting for and defending. So even if you don't agree with me on everything, um, I would love to have your support. Well, and I gotta, I gotta add this. We are in a time where our problems are transcending left and right. Uh, well, transcending what the left used to be and right. And now there's this new radical left. There's probably some radical right. Who cares? Those people can go jump off the ship. But this radical left is actually controlling things. But I would say that the problems and the priorities that we have have transcended that. And you are representing more classical American values. And so if they are for 
uh, that, then then it's wiser. Maybe later on when we can get our stuff back in order, we can get back to a normal debate. But right now our top priorities is just getting basic American values back. And so supporting a candidate like you would get us back to something of sanity. I agree. And I think when you're trying to select uh, candidates at every level, it should be people with whom you could disagree on certain policy issues, but who you feel truly love this country and want to improve the American experiment. It used to be an argument between left and right with how do we, we're gonna argue about the size and scope of government and we're gonna argue about certain policy things and we're gonna argue about how to make America better. Now it's arguing about whether America is worth saving at all. And that's not an argument I'm willing to engage in. Uh, We need to get on the same page and we need to save this country and defend it because there are no other options. Well, I can't let you go without talking about Afghanistan and what that means, because it's going to affect a lot of states. And I just heard Walz talk about the Minnesota governor talk about taking in Afghan uh, refugees, which I, I mean, I, we can't not take in people who have been supporting that cause for 20 years. But I get concerned that this is a, a bigger that they're messing around with just like they are at the border, bringing in people into this country. What do you think of this disaster that's going into Afghanistan, and how should the states be um, dealing with this? Well, yeah, elections have consequences, and unfortunately, the Afghani people are paying a terrible price for the incompetence of uh, Joe Biden and the uh, senior leadership in Washington right now. It's heartbreaking to see. Those kids look kind of like my kids, and those parents look a lot like my parents. And, um, you know, I think Afghanis in general uh, were not served by the American occupation in the last 20 years. But the way that we left that country, the failure of the flag officer corps to create a workable Afghani military that could ground and pound and fight against the Taliban. We created a military reliant on our medevac, reliant on close air support, reliant on intelligence operations we provided. We never created an Afghan military that could stand up and fight the Taliban. And uh, Joe Biden's calling them all cowards. What, 50,000 Afghani uh, citizens died serving in their military, and you're going to call them cowards? I blame uh, our useless and feckless woke warrior flag officer corps for that failure and a complete failure to have any type of strategy of how we get out of this country and have any idea how we're going to lead in this world. You have French and British commandos rescuing American citizens in Kabul because we couldn't leave the airport. I mean, this level of incompetence, you have dead U.S. service members because we could not secure that border because we closed up Bagram before we were ready to leave. There's just, it's top-down failures at every single level because there is no central animating principle that guides our present leadership. They have weakened America in the world stage. They have weakened special relationships with longtime allies, and they are putting in place a murderous regime in Afghanistan that's going to lead to the subjugation of millions of women and the deaths of millions of our allies. And that is a grand tragedy. Well, and I get intelligence. I have a lot of contacts and I can't, I had somebody reach out to me a week and a half ago wanting to come onto my show to talk about what's going on in Afghanistan, but they've been kept being pushed back. It's a, you know, they're doing special ops over there and they want to go public, but they're not able to because so much is changing on the ground and they're doing important work over there that, that can't be disclosed. But so I have actually I have multiple sources and the sources over there um, that I can share uh, it, 
it, are telling me that the Biden administration, as of two days ago, canceled all of our emergency evacuation you know, uh, operations, and that the killing fields are, they're worried that the killing fields are going to return, and I mean, a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I just, how do we fix this? I mean, because now it's, it's, you're absolutely right. There's no leadership. It's a disaster. Now, how, do, how does that get fixed? I, I, have, I have no idea how you begin to fix that in Afghanistan. Um, I mean, for us to re- start retaking land, retake Bagram, I mean, it would just be a massive expenditure of human lives and, and capital. And it, it, this is, I don't know the way out of it, but I do know that, that people need to understand when they choose their elected leaders, that they are choosing people who can weather a crisis, who are animated by principles that they will defend, and who are going to competently lead and not simply run and spin and uh, ignore their, uh, their duty to defend Americans. We're going to leave a thousand hostages behind, American hostages in Afghanistan, and tens of thousands of people who put their lives at risk as Afghanis to interpret for us or to help with us. Um, how would anyone in the future trust the word of America going forward? How do we expect to have allies or any type of diplomatic relations with other countries around this world? It is a shame. And we will be feeling the repercussions of this loss for decades to come. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. We've, we've, now we have a mess that we have to clean up, but is the process um, a cleanup of, you know, is it impeachment and or fire and maybe or, or firing a lot of the leadership that was involved in this and and doing a better job of putting in quality leaders like just like what you're saying it's important the leaders that you put in there and it's starting to look like we have incompetence up and down the scale or a couple tyrants on top that won't let smart people do anything yeah i i I think we have a complete top to bottom failure of leadership uh inside the military outside the military this 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 whole going woke as opposed to being a war fighting unit, uh, this whole um, flying flags outside the Afghan uh, uh, embassy instead of actually having a plan to come up with how we're going to get the SIVs out, how we're going to get our troops out in a reasonable fashion. I mean, this administration is hell-bent on woke virtue signaling, and that uh, is having real consequences for millions of people around the world, and it's incredibly tragic. Their priorities are just all wrong. It's like you being a doctor and not focusing on healing somebody and just lecturing them on making sure that they <laughs> are Enjoy nice. I mean, it's just yeah, crazy. Exactly. Okay, so now how can people support you, learn more about you, and how do yeah. we propagate candidates like you? Maybe that's this whole separate question, but how do people learn more about you? Because you're not a career politician. You're a professional that said, hey, me." wait a minute, I can do something. You're a doctor and you're watching this medical tyranny and going, oh my God. So yeah. how can people learn more about you and support you? So they can go to our, the best way is to go to our website. It's uh, electneil.com, E-L-E-C-T-N-E-I-L.com. They can follow us on social media at Neil Shaw MN uh, until we're canceled. And they can come out and we need uh, people to meet us at the state fair. So if you're in Minnesota, come out there. I'll be out there most days. My team will always be out there. And they, um, we have videos, we have all kinds of things online, parts of this interview we're hoping to link to. Um, we only launched on the 3rd of August. And as you said, I'm not a career politician, but I was tired with what Tim Walt did to the state 
and what he continues to do to this state and what career politicians on both sides of the aisle uh, intend to do to this state. Everyday Minnesotans, everyday Americans around this country are waking up. They are running for school board. They're running for public office for the first time in their career. They never thought they would do this. This is not something that I ever envisioned doing, but I'm mad and I have three kids to defend. I have a country that my parents came to that they barely recognize, and I have a state that I do not want to move out of. And if we don't want to see America go down the tubes and our state go down the tubes, you need to get out there and fight. If you can run for office, do it. If you can't support someone good who is running for office with time, talent, or treasure, we need help to push back and retake our country and save Minnesota. Absolutely. Amen. That's that's exactly right. So thank you so much for stepping up. Thank you for getting into the shark tank because that's what it is. But you know what? We're all grown ups. We can handle getting our getting kicked around because we have something bigger to save here. Right. That's right. We have something to fight for. Yeah. OK, well, thank you. And so I really much. appreciate the opportunity to come on the show and, and talk. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.